show before all of that, Blake. All right, we'll catch you on Monday. Connell, have a, have a great weekend as well. We'll see you then. All right, it is now midnight in Israel, just hours away from marking the first full week of the war between Israel and Hamas. Israel signaling that it is set to unleash a major ground offensive. Coming up, we will take you live to Tel Aviv. You saw some of the pictures there. We'll show you what they're seeing now. Plus, he oversaw the biggest ground operation in the Middle East this century. Don't be surprised if Israel takes whatever action is necessary to defend herself. Uh, And it's going to be ugly for a while. What former President George W. Bush thinks will happen next. And a live look right now at Capitol Hill. There is a new development in the past hour, by the way. House Republicans still in a stalemate. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. And hello, thank you for being with us here on The Hill. Once again, I'm Blake Berman, joined by a great panel, Chris Steyerwald, of course, News Nation's political editor and a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Bob Cusack is the editor-in-chief of The Hill. Johanna Mosca is a former Obama administration official and a News Nation contributor. And Ford O'Connell, a GOP strategist and a former member of the uh, Trump White House, at least a a surrogate there, Ford. Uh, Folks, good to see you all. You know, we begin with sort of something that caught my attention because there's when you when you survey the landscape in this country, I'm not sure there's many folks who have more of an insight as to what's going on than Jamie Dimon right? Sees all the data, speaks to all sorts of people all around the world. And so when he said something, it caught my attention. And here's what he said. It was a note. He said, quote, currently, U.S. consumers and businesses generally remain healthy. That's the, that's the good part, right? Good news. And then he goes on to say this. This may be the most dangerous time the world has seen in decades. Chris, when Jamie Dimon says something like this, you say, whoa, or at least pay attention to it. And I'm wondering if, if you think he's right. Well, I mean, uh, it, it depends on how things turn out. Right. We, the, the stakes have been extraordinarily high in the world since, basically, we entered a unipolar phase after the end of the Cold War. So we have been living in the aftermath of that for a long time. And the United States has done an amazing job, really, when you think about it, of maintaining the Pax Americana and a world order that was safe, healthy, and prosperous, and things were generally getting better around the world. Russia, Iran, China, and other bad actors do not want that trajectory to continue. And as we fool around here in the United States, tripping on our own shoelaces over everything that we can, the rest of the world is moving. Uh, And they're moving in a direction away from American dominance and away from the Pax Americana. And that is, of course, dangerous. Bob, what do you make of what he said? Listen, I mean, I'm an optimist and I talk to a lot of people who like to be optimistic, but it's hard to be optimistic uh, after uh, what we've seen over the last couple of years and certainly over the last month. Uh, This is a difficult time. And actually, politically, I know House Republicans are a little bit a little bit in disarray, but this is not good for the president either. I mean, he campaigned to kind of, okay, the world's not going to be on fire. Normalcy, the world's right? on fire. Like, Normalcy. We, we this is not normal. Well, and it's interesting because you had Mark Milley basically saying that this is because there was kind of that change in world order, which Trump was the one who said, you know, he was going to pull out of NATO. And so there's a lot of questions, you know, about how we got here. But yes, absolutely. You know, this isn't good for any of us. And I think businesses like Jamie Dimon, they need to plan. And the fact that we don't know if we're going to have a budget in a few days, you know, it's a real problem. 
Uh, Joanna, I did believe that Jamie Dimon is actually right. We haven't had a budget since the late 1990s, so let's be honest about what's going on. Secondly, I would argue that the reason why America has been so weak in the world has been Biden's policies appeasing America's enemies, but also domestically not keeping his eye on the ball about what matters to ordinary Americans. So while the world is on fire, America doesn't have the leadership it needs. All right. Well, I mean, you say America doesn't have the leadership it needs. Headline, New York Times. With the world in crisis, House Republicans bicker among themselves. I mean, your, your party's not the standard bearer right now, uh, Ford. Well, you make a great point, but what, what, what a lot of the polls still tell you is that Republicans trust, or the voters trust Republicans to solve the issues that they matter most to them. I mean, you look at the CNN polls, still Republicans are up nine on those issues. When it comes to the economy, NBC, we're up 21. What's going on right now in the House is not good for Republicans long term, but right now, guess what? Most people don't know who the Speaker of the House is. Most people don't care. Well, well there's not They're one. going to care eventually, <laughs> but Republicans have to get on the stick, to your point, and actually show some leadership. But right now, it's not harming the issues that America has. The key is for Republicans to get it together. I don't know a single job where you don't have to compromise to serve your clients or to move things forward. And the fact that you have some people saying that they are not going to compromise at all, I just don't know how the Republicans are going to move beyond this. And obviously, Hakeem Jeffries is saying, if you guys want five, five of you can come over, we can do some business. Well, you know that's not going to happen. Let's let's be honest, okay? But why not? Compromise who? We can't compromise with each other. That's Why a little not? bit different, but the American people still see us as better for the issues that they want. Why not? It's because we are in the same way the world order is changing. There's a change within the Republican Party about putting mainstream first versus establishment Republicans. But before, don't you think that the Republicans, because I agree with you, on the economy, Biden's numbers are not good. Republican numbers are better, but they're shooting themselves in the foot here. I mean, these are the headlines across the country. These, Those are the narratives right now that have not yet stuck in. I agree over time, if that saturates, that's going to be a major problem for Republicans. But right now, Republicans, I would bet right now, if we had a presidential election, Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden. That's how bad it is. Look well, at the poll. Pennsylvania, would, you would take I would, the other I would, side? I would take, I would take that action. Uh, I will t- well, yeah, but when you've got Pennsylvania, he's up eight. We never had that in 2016. In Wisconsin and Emerson, he's up two. Again, what I'm saying is Republicans are firing on all cylinders because most people are not happy with Democrats and Joe Biden. Again, though, they're not happy with us, which is also why 63% want to have a third party for president. Again, we just have to run faster than Joe Biden. You know, we don't actually have to we'll, beat the bear we'll in the race. We'll get on this soon, but last, right. last word. Uh, look, this is unworthy of, a, of the greatest republic the world has ever known. Uh, the, the, the nature of these two parties is embarrassing, uh, and Americans are rightly disgusted with their political process, uh, and neither of these parties should be proud at all. This is a, we're, we are truly at a, at a point where the demand for reform and the demand for something better uh, gets to the point of where it feels like it's boiling right, so, under our feet. So this is clearly one of the things we're following. Of course, the other is Israel and the ongoing war there uh, with Hamas. In the past few hours, rockets were intercepted over the country's largest city, Tel Aviv. Robert Sherman uh, is on the ground, been there all week, joins us live. Uh, Robert, you, you heard those sirens earlier. I'm just wondering sort of what went through your mind um, in, in Tel Aviv, I don't think you had, had heard that all week, and, and then it came. Yeah, it, that's definitely an escalation when it comes up this way, because we're about 40 miles away from the Gaza Strip. Uh, I hate to admit it, Blake, but it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things in which you, you inevitably become numb to it because the people of Israel have become so 
used to this, to hear these sirens blaring here and to have the prospect of missiles flying over you. Uh, but I would say that it underscores a sense of uneasiness that is here in Israel right now. This is a metropolitan area of over four million people. You can see the streets behind us. There's nobody out. It's Friday night here. It is a quiet evening in the largest metropolitan area in Israel as all of this escalation is starting to take place towards the Gaza Strip. And when you talk to Israelis, you know, they're uneasy about what the next few days will bring. If the IDF does go into Gaza, will there be retaliation? And if there is retaliation, does it come just from Gaza? Does it come from Lebanon and Hezbollah? Does it come from Syria or other actors around the region? People here recognize that they're in this one for the long haul, and there's a lot more that's going to happen in the coming days here, Blake. All right, so Israeli troops, uh, Robert, inside Gaza, what are they doing at this hour as far as, as we know, and, and long term, really, how might this impact the search for hostages there? Yeah, I mean, the big focus right now is some initial incursions into Gaza. This is not the total offensive that has has been floated as a possibility here. But I mean, the big thing is, is that the IDF says that they're trying to look for evidence as to where some of those hostages may be, because that is the real tricky part in all this is, is that you have all of these hostages that they don't know where they are, that they want to get back safe and sound. Uh, but Hamas is using as human shields, which they have a long track record of doing. So the IDF trying to get a bit more information to lay the groundwork for a potential larger assault that could come at any point. Blake. All right. Robert Sherman, live for us in Tel Aviv. Robert, stay safe. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you on Monday in great reporting as always. Well, a short time ago, President Biden addressed the war and he reaffirmed the United States commitment to Israel. But he also made mention of the suffering among Palestinians. The United States, make no mistake about it, stands with Israel. The United States stands with Israel. We can't lose sight of the fact that the overwhelming majority of Palestinians had nothing to do with Hamas and Hamas's appalling attacks. And they're suffering as a result as well. What do you make of that, Chris? Uh, sort of toe in the line there, or, 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 or what are the comments there? The president's in a difficult political position because within his own party, there are a lot of people who do not support Israel in this, right? There are a lot of people. You've heard it in uh, Congress with, with, a, with a small minority of members of Congress. But there is broad sentiment uh, on the left side of America that is deeply concerned about the plight of the Palestinians and thinks of uh, Israel as an apartheid state. So here is Joe Biden, who has wants to please the majority of the country, which wants to be on Israel's side and wants to do this. But he has this he has this faction within his own party where he is not particularly popular. Uh, so he is trying to strike a balance between those things. And it's hard. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that you mentioned uh, the sort of within his own party. Here's Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She basically says she says any person can see that ordering one plus million people to move in under 24 hours is not possible. It is unacceptable. She goes on to say humanity is at stake. Nearly half her children. We must halt this. Yeah. And I, I've got to say, I would take issue with it. I actually do think that people care about I think Republicans and Democrats care about innocent lives being lost. And there are every time we take an action, whether it's a drone strike, we can kill innocent lives. We don't 
want to. I think the bigger issue for Democrats is actually they don't want to head where we headed after 9-11 to the Iraq war. They don't want a broader conflict that we don't want to sustain for a long time. And so that's what you see when you see Ben Rhodes, our former deputy national security advisor, and the others who are warning against this. They're worried that we're going to get into a conflict with Iran, something Aren't that's we hearing some Republicans, though, start, start to, to go down that road, too, or... Well, Republicans do not want to have World War III. Let's be honest about what's going on. When it comes to the Democrats, so you've hit on a key point here, Blake, you're going to start saying the longer this goes on, Biden equivocating, because I've pointed out before, at least in polling, you've seen that a near majority of Democrats actually support the Palestinians over the Israelis. And this is going to be a situation that is the longer this gets, the bloodier this gets, you're going to see uh, Biden basically trying to have to talk down the situation. And you can't play both sides against the middle on this one because the Israelis were attacked. The Israelis have every right to defend themselves, just like we did after 9-11, and Biden's got to take the handcuffs off. But I think many people in the Congress will eventually not allow that to happen on the Democrat side. Was that equivocating? Yes. Uh, I, I think a little bit, but watch Chuck Schumer, uh, who is going to Israel. Uh, he's going to push uh, the White House uh, on this, but you're right. I mean, I think there is a fear of this uh, going w- way too far, and Israel has a lot of support now, but is that going to last how long is that going to last? And, and there's another uh, politician who is in a crack here, which is Bibi Netanyahu. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have reason to believe, based on some public opinion research, that this has redounded to his disadvantage in the coalition government that's formed over there, and that basically he is being blamed for this, and that this could be the end of a very long road for him. So, as soon, so, so Biden wants this over quickly. Uh, and I would think that Netanyahu wants this to he wants he wants to go all the way on this for as long as he can. So there's tension between them. There. By the way, before we move on, I want to show you something. Did you see this? Uh, Congressman Brian Mast, he's a Republican from the state of Florida, a combat veteran as well. And this is what he was wearing in the halls of Congress earlier today. If we have the image, uh, he was there in an IDF uniform. Wow. There he is. Yep, uh, wearing. You actually see one of the congressmen next to him, who we will talk to coming up, uh, uh, wearing a, a fly, you know, a, a tie with uh, the uh, you know blue and white and the, and the star David there. Uh, but here was Congressman Mast on his choice of attire, and he used it as well to needle one of his Democratic colleagues. Listen, Sir, Leib's got her flag. I've got my uniform. Rashida Tlaib has her flag. I've got my um, uniform. Uh, <laughs> getting dicey. Getting dicey. <laughs> global, global politics at the, you know, in the halls of Congress. But I, I think you're going to see this play out a lot more like that, okay? And, and I'm going to say something else. Reports say that, th- that it took Hamas two years to plan this attack on Israel, okay? You don't think that 300 miles of tunnels reportedly in Gaza and all that, that is not going... Look, in 2006, the conflict was 30-plus days. This is going to go on for months, and this is going to get bloody. And the question is whether or not Hezbollah in Lebanon, you know, other bad actors in Syria, does this become a multi-front war? Because at that point, Joe Biden is going to have to make some very serious decisions, and not everybody in America is going to agree with him. And yet, at least 78% of Republicans stand firmly behind Israel, according to the latest polls. There are also some who blame the able. Abraham Accords on what we're seeing now. So, what a shock. Yeah. You blame no, President there, Trump. There are questions about whether that, which Biden was continuing, by the way, to go try to make peace with the Saudis. The truth is that some people are wondering whether that 
got this emotion Ab- stirred up so that absolutely we're in this not situation. Be- absolutely not because we never had this situation the four years that President Trump was there we did not have the Middle East on fire like it is right now and I'm going to say that Biden's appeasement to Iran played a big factor in this because Iran who is the patron of Hamas felt emboldened to help Hamas coordinate this attack all right well joining us now is Rabbi Abraham Cooper he's a longtime activist for Jewish and human rights causes he's also the director of the global social action for the Simon Weisenthal Center, a leading global Jewish human rights organization. Rabbi, uh, thank you so much for being here on the Hill. Appreciate the time. As, as, you, as you see what's going on uh, right now in the world, so much is focused on what's happening in the Middle East, and rightfully so. Um, there are also concerns here at home, especially among Jews, about their safety. Uh, we saw this, for example, this call for a day of rage from a former leader from Hamas. As you see it, sir, how, how safe um, are Jews in the U.S. right now? Uh, I mean, that's a legitimate question to ask with respect. I think we really have to frame this in a whole different way. Uh, a week ago, you had a terrorist group that I never thought I would say it. I worked for the Simon Wiesenthal Center, the Nazi hunter, that in some, many ways is worse than the Nazis. The Nazis tried to cover what they did and Hamas used live, tr- live stream. And they've also managed to take their uh, genocidal narrative and bring it into academia, uh, into discussion, into public discussions. Uh, this is no longer a discussion about two-state solution and where borders will be. This is a group with the help, obviously, of uh, maybe ISIS, but certainly um, uh, uh, Iran, uh, that wants to um, destroy an entire country, an entire people. And we got an early taste, the equivalent of around 30,000 Americans being murdered, raped, and held as uh, hostages um, uh, in one day. So please don't, let's not understand. I know we've had many other conflicts between the two sides. This is completely different. And part of what's going on now is when you think about that within three days of, of this horror, you have organized groups in the U.S. calling for days of jihad, days of rage, right. letters uh, out of etc. That means it's part of a much greater uh, effort. And if you have in institutions that are embracing and promoting, it'll be like 9-11. I see this as a national security issue and not where are Jews going to be cowering this Sabbath and worrying about how many police are going to be outside. We're, we're going to be running in Los Angeles on Sunday morning, a community march for peace, uh, and we're going to be marching down Pico Boulevard, one of the major thoroughfares, and have an event at the Museum of Tolerance. But I would just say to all Americans of whatever religion, including people who are supportive of the Palestinian cause, I don't think anybody signed on uh, to support what Hamas is. They're mass murdering terrorists. And when we wake up to that, we can maybe go back to have the kind of discussion that's necessary. Are we concerned the Sabbath? Yes. But honestly, we really need to get rolling, deal with it in reality, because the Israelis are not going to walk this back. They have nowhere to go except to deal definitively with this issue. All right. Speaking of discussions, I wish we could take this longer, but we got to run, sir. Uh, Rabbi Cooper, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. We'll have you on back. Thank you so much. Be well. Yep, of course. All right. Well, coming up here on the Hill, new numbers out now show just how Republicans 
feel about Congress. It's the other issue we started the show with. And how they feel about a House without a speaker. So what are Republicans saying now? Steyerwald breaks it down right after the break. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We were all just talking during the break, like, what is going on with these folks? Because House Republicans <laughs> are trying again. Uh, after meeting behind closed doors for most of the day, just a short time ago, they nominated uh, the Ju- Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio for Speaker. Here's the problem, though. He doesn't have the votes, not even close to it right now, to actually become the Speaker of the House. The divisions within the Republican Party are playing out for all to see, and there appears to be a dividing line here. According to a new poll, 56% of those who support Donald Trump say it was the right decision to have Kevin McCarthy removed as speaker, but that number is significantly less, 37% among Republicans who aren't Trump's supporter. Chris Steyerwalt, break it down for us. Uh, so 32% of the Republican Party in this poll uh, supported removing Kevin McCarthy, but they are not evenly distributed across the Republican Party. They cluster up, obviously, uh, among Donald Trump supporters. And it tells you about the division inside the Republican Party. Um, the vote uh, being reported by outlets inferior to Bob's. Um, so we'll, we'll just take it with a grain of salt until the Hill reports it. But uh, 152 to 55, okay. that that would leave Jim Jordan 50 votes short. Set, like maybe yeah, 70. Or, I'm sorry, like yeah, a se- yeah, yeah. Seven, 70 votes short. Yeah. So the, the reality is now for the institutionalists, the normies in the House, the people who lost with McCarthy and lost with Scalise, are they going to keep now it's up to them to keep the chaos going because right. what they're supposed to do is roll over now and go with the guy who won the majority of the party so are they ready to keep the fight going i don't know because that's not generally how they roll so we sit here and, and dunk on republicans for the moment but they're not the only ones no because I'm, according I'm to all over. Uh, because I'm okay all over. then I'll, I'll throw it up Thank here's you. the alley Thank talk you. to me about democrats <laughs> well here i just I, I thought this was good in the and not, not to be a media critic because media criticism is the is the lowest form of journalism. Uh, But here is, in the CNN poll, it was the headline, that this is hurting Republicans. This is hurting, Americans have a negative impression of the GOP, and it's down this year, it's down since the speaker fights are 52%. That's pretty bad, right? Pretty bad. But how are the Democrats doing? Must be much better. Let's see. Ta-da! Can we get a ta-da on the next graphic? (laughs) There we go. It's one point better. Oh, it's one point better. So it doesn't matter. I think uh, Ford alluded to this earlier. I think it's very true. Most Americans don't care uh, whether Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise or whatever's going on. But here's the caution for the Republicans long term, and here's why Jim Jordan has a problem on Monday. Everybody else in that conference knows what the next year looks like with Jim Jordan as speaker. Running interference for Donald Trump on his criminal investigations, 
going after the Biden family and shutting down the government. If you're in one of the 45 districts in the country that are competitive or you're trying to win the presidency, that's not the House Republican conference that you want. You want to you want to get on with it and get going. So the Republicans face it. So, so now we are there's going to be a vote uh, on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to just sort of maybe see who might be the next speaker of the House. Bob Cusack, you're the editor in chief of The Hill. I, I don't know the answer that that um, the, to the question I, I'm about to ask you. I know you're going to ask a tough one. Do you know who the next speaker is going to be? No. And no, you're the editor in chief of The Hill. No. No. A- and that's where we are. No, yeah, you don't. I yeah. mean, I, I agree with uh, Chris's analysis. Other than you, you can't say "ta-da" unless you're doing a magic trick. Yeah, well, it is television is magic, Bob. Television no, is magic. I, I think a lot of the centrists who are in tough re-elections, remember 18 Republicans from Biden districts, yeah. that you, you can't vote for Jim Jordan. I don't think they can. But this is a test vote to see how many they have to work. And it's going to be clearly in the dozens, I think. And, and I think, and I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to put Bob on okay. the spot to agree with me yeah. here, <laughs> which is how many times the Republicans can fail at this before there becomes a, an agreement behind a consensus boring caretaker speaker. That's what they ended up uh, with long yeah. ago with Denny Haster. Denny Haster yeah. uh, and maybe that's where they go, but how long do they have to stay in the barrel and take this beating before they say, okay, well, we'll just let some factotum go in there who's just going to count votes and not really try to drive. And maybe it's McHenry, who's the interim speaker now. You He's never got know. the bow tie. He's ready. <laughs> but the Real question, quick, I mean, I, I asked one of my friends who's Problem Solvers Caucus uh, Democrat in the House, and I said, you know, is there any discussion going on here? And the problem is, he said, the Republicans haven't come to them for anything. So those 16 vulnerable House Republicans, you know, if they want a solution, there are Democrats willing to give them that. Real quick, Ford. Well, the bottom line is, I don't know who the next speaker is going to be, but eventually those 45 normies that you're talking about who are in swing districts, they're going to give in. And they may even very well give in to Jim Jordan. The question is, when will Republicans be forced to have a speaker when it actually hurts them in the polls? And as of now, it's not. All right. Well, coming up, could an attack like what we saw in Israel happen inside the United States? That is the question that is being posed by one of the Republican presidential candidates. And today, Vivek Ramaswamy traveled to the border. And we will take you live, uh, take you there live next, where he spoke to one of our correspondents. What he had to say when The Hill returns. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. Probably that. All right, welcome back to The Hill. If it can happen in Israel, it can happen anywhere. Those were the comments from the Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy earlier this week. And today, he tried to drive home his point by traveling to Eagle Pass, Texas. You can see him there. And that is where our Allie Bradley caught up with 
Ramaswamy. The concern I have in this country is, look, there was just two Lebanese people here yesterday. The number of people that have come in as special interest aliens to the tune of 70,000 over the last year from Middle Eastern countries. So I think there are real dangers here in the homeland. We're not securing the homeland. We're looking abroad without failing, without actually doing the job of protecting Americans on American soil. Joining us now, Allie Bradley, uh, live in Eagle Pass. Allie, uh, so you spoke, as we saw there, to Vivek earlier today. What else did he tell you? Yeah, he really drove home that point about what could happen there, could happen here. He was talking about what is going on in Israel should be a wake-up call for Americans. You heard him there mention those individuals from Lebanon. We had two that were apprehended by Border Patrol agents here in Eagle Pass yesterday. There were more than 14 people from Syria that are currently in Border Patrol custody in the Rio Grande Valley. So those are some of the points that he was really focusing on. And he was saying that the thousands of individuals who have come over from special interest countries are concerning. We know that over 76,000 individuals from those countries entered into the United States in fiscal year 23, according to our Customs and Border Protection source. Now, And while he was here, he also talked heavily on the border barriers. He talked about needing the wall, but he also talked about Governor Abbott's buoy barrier system. And he was saying that we need more of that after he saw it, because he was saying that it was acting as a deterrent, because he actually talked with a little 12-year-old girl who entered into the U.S. by way of the Rio Grande, actually was picked up by Border Patrol in an airboat. And Vivek says that that individual and her father would have been deterred by those buoys, and so would thousands of others. So while he is advocating for that wall, that barrier system as well, he is also advocating for shutting down the criminal organizations who are actually moving these individuals into our country. Take a listen to that part of the conversation. When it comes to the cartels, what would you do to stop them? You're talking about the foreign policy. What would you do to stop the cartels? Would you consider them terrorists? Well, first thing is I do consider them terrorists, freeze their assets, seal this southern border. Everything else has to come from sealing the border that we're standing on right now. This is not a technical challenge. Okay, so he's hopeful that with the new Mexican president in 2024, they'll be able to work on those partnerships and be able to get Mexico to do their part. Now, Blake, they also, uh, Vivek also said that he wants to work on strengthening relationships with countries like Venezuela so that we can actually repatriate people who don't qualify for asylum. Blake. Allie Bradley, great work as always on the border. Allie, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, So for this was clearly a sort of a, trying to connect the dots here um, for, Vi- for Vivek Ramaswamy. Are we going to see more Republican presidential candidates following his footsteps on this one? Absolutely, because this is a top three issue in the 2024 presidential election. I think Vivek's absolutely right. Because of the Biden no-border policy, the question of a terrorist attack, it, it's just when, to be totally honest with you. And I'm going to be honest with you right now, because I know Johanna's going to come after me on this. <laughs> the bottom line is Democrats don't believe anyone's illegal. Democrats don't want to deport anyone. If you don't deport anyone, you don't deter anyone, and you don't detain anyone, you're going to have the crisis we had. Joe Biden has all the same laws on the books as Donald Trump, and he chooses not to enforce them. Okay, before, before Johanna responds, here's uh, the Department of Homeland Security. I just want to get their statement, and they say, quote, while we do not have any specific incredible intelligence uh, indicating a threat to the United States at this time, stemming from the Hamas terrorist attacks in Israel— 
We are closely monitoring unfolding events and will continue to engage in information sharing with our intelligence and law enforcement partners at home and abroad. That the official statement. Of course they're monitoring this. They, they best be monitoring this. And they have been monitoring the border situation and dealing with the laws on the books. Look, I think we saw, if anything, in Israel that a, a border wall is a false sense of security. It would have, let me it get, without is, that wall, you would have had a lot more Jews it killed. Is, it is a false sense of security. It is not a false... And fa- it has been, over time, over history, it has given a false sense of security. And while we do need to secure our border, and if someone is saying that a wall is the solution, that's fine, we actually need to make sure that we are not demonizing people. And when I see Vivek, one, I remember Vivek saying he's going to shut that, down the FBI, but when I say see him blame all people from this region, on Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. I worry about that, equating the two. Chris, I'm going to give you the, the last word. Uh, the context, uh, Ramaswamy uh, is failing. His, his momentum has stalled. Nikki Haley is on the rise. And he's in huge trouble because in a conversation with Tucker Carlson, he made some uh, comments that... Uh, some people found to be anti-Semitic by suggesting that financial interests were manipulating American politicians to be on the side of Israel and taking this more seriously than others. So this is the kind of ripe demagoguery that he is going to engage in at the border to try to cover his keister as he stalls in the polls. All right. Well, joining us now is the Republican congressman from Texas, Randy Weber. Uh, Congressman, thank you for being here on the Hill. We appreciate it. So you probably uh, heard a little bit of, of uh, from Vivek Ramaswamy there. Um, how big is the concern as you see it, as he says it? Well, Blake, it's uh, thank you for having me. By the way, is extremely huge, extremely big concern. <clears throat> as you as you know, Texas has about twelve hundred miles of the almost two thousand mile border with with Mexico um, that the United States has. And so for us, it is absolutely huge. You probably know this, these numbers. The latest numbers we had, if you, can, if you want to follow the countries that, that have the terrorists over there, the most terrorists, uh, Syria, 538 had come across in the last two years, Yemen, 139, Iran, 659, Afghanistan, 6,300. Now, you're looking at a situation in Israel where the terrorists have come up called Hamas, Actually, they are ISIL, in my opinion. They need to be eradicated. They've killed 1,300 Israelis, <clears throat> pardon me, 2,400 wounded, and 27 Americans that we know about right now are dead. Right. So it is absolutely in- important that we secure our border. <clears throat> uh, I can't help but notice, of course, you are standing in the halls of the Capitol, Congressman. Where are you on the speaker's race? <clears throat> yes, sir. <laughs> Well, uh, I endorsed Jim Jordan um, early on, so uh, he's, uh, he's in the process of becoming Speaker. Kevin McCarthy actually stood up and made that plea for him as we were leaving the Republican conference this afternoon. So I think you're going to see we're going to leave for the weekend. There was about, I don't know, eight or so of the Republican members who weren't here. They'll be, uh, we're coming back Monday. Now, I'm back, quite frankly staying here this weekend to work, get things done and not spend up uh, American taxpayers' money flying back and forth. I want to get things done. We hope to get it done, and I think we'll get it done Monday. You embarrassed by what's going on? What's, what's the emotion? Because, you know, no. you're, you're getting, you're getting <clears throat> hammered um, from all sides <clears throat> with Republicans running the House and not running the House simultaneously. 
Well, democracy is hard work, and uh, what was it? Was Winston Churchill said democracy is a terrible form of government, and all others are worse. So this is part of hammering this out in the family. We're a family. We'll get the fam- we'll keep the family together in the Republican conference. We'll get everybody back on board. Come back Monday, and we'll hammer this out, and we'll get it done. Quite frankly, I'm glad everybody's getting their say. I'm glad everybody's getting to stand up and say what they believe in, what that, who they would support, and why. I think that's a healthy discussion to have. Do you think it's a hundred? Do you think it's a hundred percent guarantee that this gets settled on Monday at, at six o'clock or Monday evening? Let's call it here on the East Coast. Yogi Berra said the problem with predictions is you're dealing with the future. So I don't want to make that prediction for Monday. It could go to Monday night, could go to Tuesday. Let's see. All right. Congressman, we got to leave it there. We'll have you on back. Uh, appreciate the time. Congressman Weber from Thanks. Texas staying uh, here in D.C. this weekend. Yep, you got it. All right, coming up, he oversaw the biggest ground incursion in the Middle East this century. And now he is warning about what might come next. Don't be surprised if Israel takes whatever action is necessary to defend herself. Uh, and it's going to be ugly for a while. Those are some rare public comments from George W. Bush, and you will hear more of them when The Hill on News Nation returns. Watch the world's going to be, okay, let's negotiate. You know, Israel's got to negotiate. They're not going to negotiate. These people have played, played their cards. Mm. They want to kill as many Israelis as they can, and negotiating with killers is not an option for the elected government of Israel. And so we're just going to have to remain steadfast, but it's not going to take long. for That's gone on too long. Surely there's a way to settle this through negotiations. Both sides are guilty. My view is one side is guilty, and it's not Israel. That, of course, the 43rd president of the United States about the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. The comments that came earlier this week, George W. Bush in them, took a shot at isolationists in both the Democratic and Republican parties. Uh, the former president there had a lot to say. Uh, Bob, is he, is he right? What would you, you make of it? He'd be a pretty good pundit. I mean, that was, that was some pretty good uh, talking points. I mean, listen, this, this is what George W. Bush thinks, and it's not surprising, but it's also... Uh, he provides some clarity. He obviously went through 9-11, uh, and, and it was a massive test of his presidency, and he got a second term, yeah. really, because 9-11, but then in the second term, things unraveled. You say this is what he thinks. He said, I'm a hardliner at one point uh, in that conversation there. Is, is, he, is he right, though, what, with what he says? He was basically saying, as time goes on, you know, there might be some sort of pullback, but, but we need to stay steadfast and go forward. I think we need to be careful about how we stay steadfast. We need to have our eyes on Hamas. And that is the mistake that the Bush administration made. I mean, I remember I was at the University of Kansas when we started the Iraq war. And I remember people celebrating bombs over Baghdad. And for the next 20 years, we would prop up a corrupt regime in Afghanistan. And I don't think our generation was better for it. Look, I, I actually agree with you. I'm concerned about the military industrial complex and what this means going forward. But at least in the Republican Party, there is not the appetite to send America all over the world as we did under George W. Bush. But I do think that there is a support for Israel. And if Israel wants to take the handcuffs off, the Republican Party and Republican voters are going to support that. I think the concern here is, does it turn into a larger Middle Eastern war? And given the global jihad that's been called, don't be surprised if all of a sudden Lebanon, Syria, 
Egypt, the malign actors start to uh, needle the Israeli bear. You know, I, I started off the show by saying when, when Jamie Dimon talks, yeah. you listen, right? Yeah. George W. Bush, we don't hear from him very often, no. and so when he talks, you listen. Uh, and he is obviously absolutely right is that Israel has a very brief window, relatively speaking, in which they can act basically unbound. They can do what they want. But the former president is also right that the international community, which hates Israel, which is always against Israel, the United Nations and other folks and people left and right in the United States of America, the the Vivek Ramaswamis of the world are out there and they will be coming after Israel. So if Netanyahu thinks that he has a long time horizon on this, that this could go on for months. He is mistaken. They have days or weeks, not months. Um, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, met today with the Palestinian uh, Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, and uh, there was a statement that was put out, and um, in the statement it said this at one point, quote, the Secretary also detailed U.S. efforts to coordinate with partners to prevent the conflict from widening. Friend of the show, Morgan Ortegas, tweeted something, caught my attention. Here's what she said. She said, quote, prevent the conflict from widening. That's what we've heard them say for 20 months vis-a-vis their Russia policy. Don't provoke Putin. Perhaps this strategy isn't working and terrorist dictators and despots sense weakness. Well, listen, as far as widening, and it certainly could become very, very bad. Look at the reporting on Iran's involvement. Now, obviously, Iran, a patron, as Ford said, of Hamas. But what is Israel going to do as it relates to Iran, because if that happens, right. all bets are off. All right. Well, Israeli troops are conducting uh, raids right now into Gaza, inside Gaza, searching for the estimated 150 hostages taken by Hamas. Elizabeth Vargas reports is about nine minutes away from now. She'll be speaking to a former member of the FBI's elite hostage rescue team. Elite, uh, Elizabeth, um, that should be a fascinating interview. Yeah, and he's got a lot of background working with the Israelis. Uh, he actually worked with their hostage team and advised them on how to deal with Hamas. So we're going to talk to him about the very real realities that are confronting um, the IDF as they go in and they search for these hostages. How do you find them in that warren of, of narrow alleyways and tunnels you know that are filled with booby traps so he's going to give us his expertise we're also going to talk to kara swisher about all the disinformation and hmm. misinformation uh that it, we're seeing online particularly on x formerly known as twitter where there are videos getting millions and millions of views that are going viral that are completely inaccurate and are fake um, right. Why, when there are such barbaric real videos, are people circulating those? Um, we're going to talk about the misinformation campaign that is meant to make people even more emotional and overwrought and reactive. Also, we'll talk to former Defense Secretary William Cohen on the whole situation in the Middle East. You guys, you know, it's really, really tense there. And we're really yeah. on the brink of hopefully this not expanding any further. Certainly what Secretary of State Blinken is hard at work trying to prevent uh, today in the Middle East. Yeah. Did you, did you see those, those uh, George W. Bush comments? Yeah, yeah. He, what do you make of it? He rarely talks. Yeah. So um, like the rest of your panel, um, I, was, I, I was struck by that. He's really made mm. it uh, a, a policy of his never to speak out. So I think it's yep. significant that he is, and he's squarely on the side of Israel. I think they were powerful remarks. Yep, indeed. All right, Elizabeth, uh, we'll see you in about uh, seven minutes' time. Thank Sounds you. Sounds good, Blake. All right, catch you then. And you can watch Elizabeth Vargas reports 6 o'clock Eastern right here on News Nation. But before we go, some final thoughts as we head into what is likely to be a very busy news weekend. We'll see you on the other side.
All right, so before we go, uh, for the day, for the weekend, some final thoughts. But there was a story that came across uh, that sort of had us shaking our head a little bit. The Supreme Court. Can we show the video? It's a beautiful building. If you've ever been here uh, in Washington, D.C., you drive by it. It's behind the Capitol. It's made of all this marble. It may be the most beautiful building here. I don't know. Certainly it's, it's, top it's, five. It's it gorgeous, is, it right? It is gorgeous. Uh, the reason why we are talking about it, we are now learning that a piece of marble, some two feet long, crashed to the ground uh, in 2022 and in the interior courtyard. And so they are saying, you know, whoa, that's a, a big escape there in the Supreme Court. Could you imagine? But the, the follow-up to that is, Chris? Wait, I didn't know I had to have a joke for this. It's not a joke. It just goes to show that just about everything in Washington. Well, I, here, here's what I, I want to say. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's very it's scary times, weird times. I totally understand. I get it. There's, there are two wars, uh, one in Europe, one in the Middle East. Uh, our parties are a disaster. The president is a million years old. The leading contender for the Republican nomination is facing 91 criminal counts. I understand. But I'm going to tell you the most single radical fact that I can offer in, a, in Washington today. Go for it. This is the best time in the best place to be alive in all of human history. America remains the last best hope of Earth. This is a great country, and great things are happening here. Don't believe the doomsayers. Don't believe there, the naysayers. We started the show with Jamie Dimon, and that's well said. There's a speech from him a few years ago where he basically lays out that. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.